go ahead and head to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Good, uh, great services this morning. I really enjoyed it. Great to see all the guests that came to, for Logan. And that's just really cool. Appreciate seeing his family and thankful for them. You know, the, the, the season of giving, uh, the, they, one of the uh, subtitles to Operation Christmas Child is, uh, you know, you know a, a simp- the power of a simple gift. The power of a simple gift. Uh, matter of fact, Caleb and I were listening this week, I think it was this week, to a Christian speaker. And he was talking about uh, how poor they were growing up, and they just didn't have anything. And for Christmas one year, his uncle got him a gift, and he opened it up, and it was nothing inside. He said, well, uncle, what would you get me? He said, well, that's the invisible man. He said he loved that gift. He played with it for two weeks. And then he lost it. So... Don't figure that one out. But anyway, that's poor. And when that, all you got is the invisible man in an empty box to play with, and then you lose it. And uh, figure that one out. Romans chapter one. We're going to look at the focus of our membership. Now, this is kind of a spin on a verse that I mentioned this morning. Now, I mentioned Romans one sixteen, but in, we're going to look at what Paul had to say about us as church members. Again, speaking on this title, the focus of our membership, Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. The Word of God says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. One of the reasons that I'm I've got several things in my in my margin that I love. My, I've used it for uh, well since 1987. Uh, the Ryrie Study Bible. It's got plenty of room to write in the margins, and uh, the notes are good, and the references are even better. But uh, and some of y'all have picked some of those up. They're good. There's a lot of good study Bibles out there. Uh, Life Application Study Bible. Those are good. And uh, just uh, some good study notes. Matter of fact, a lot of the Bibles we give to the new church members that are baptized are study Bibles. And that's always good when we can do that. Our membership. We as church members here, and y'all have chosen to come back on Sunday night. And I appreciate, and I was bragging on the class tonight that came back for Sunday night Bible study. And I want to thank you for coming back on a Sunday night. I was sitting and, you know, we did Upward and some of y'all did the ladies' luncheon and some of y'all been here all day. Some of y'all had the children's choir. There's a lot going on. Some of y'all come at 4 o'clock, which makes for a short afternoon for the choir uh, practice. And so I appreciate you. I want to brag on you. The focus 
though, of a church member, and you as a member of Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church, is not just to stay busy. Because you can get so busy, like I mentioned this morning, that you, you do things for the wrong reason. That you lose focus of what it's all about. Paul, in this first chapter of Romans, kind of sums up, why am I a church member? Why do I do what I do? What is it all about? Matter of fact, Paul begins in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, kind of profiling himself. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul says, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Um, the I was sharing, let me see if I can find it, where it went. There we go. Paul is uh, kind of summarizing here, and he says, the very first thing he mentions is that he's a servant. It says they're a servant of Jesus Christ. It also mentions his call to preach, so to speak, an apostle and also separated unto the gospel. I'm supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. But folks, all of us, now you may not be called to preach, and obviously the time for apostles is done away. There's pastors and teachers, and and we have people who are gifted for teaching and uh, just in music and different things like that, but... What, what does he want us to do now? I was uh, last, matter of fact, last week, we, uh, I think about hard-working people that are out there doing for the Lord, and last week our church voted in business meeting, we sent out $500 here and $500 there, and uh, voted to uh, pay for a trip to the Philippines, this and that, this and that. I, uh, we got it off immediately. I got a, matter of fact, yesterday I got an email from Brother Ravel. He got the $500 that we sent him. And the, the transaction rate was great. It's normally been about 40 pesos to the dollar. It's almost 44 pesos to the dollar. So the dollar right now in the world economy is real strong. But I think of him and being a servant. Right now we're putting together some boxes to go in the container to help Brother Ravel. And this will really help him in this Outreach. I talked to Miss Paula this morning thinking about being uh, all these good things we're doing, all these great things we're doing. She said there's not two containers going out the first week in December for Brother Glenn. There's three 40-foot containers going out this first week in December for Brother Glenn. That's pretty awesome. Three 40-foot containers loaded to the to get one of them just designated. Churches are responding right and left. Matter of fact, I have two phone calls I have to return right after church churches that are wanting to send some stuff through us to get to Brother Glenn to get on the container because they know we're headed to Little Rock tomorrow. And so we're picking up one thing tomorrow and then another thing the next Monday and uh, bringing some stuff back that all goes on these containers to the Philippines. Folks, like I told y'all, we're, we're doing great. We're doing busy. God's blessing us to think about our little old church here in, in, uh, out in the country Ashley County, and we're touching the world for the gospel. Oh, by the way, he took that, uh, he immediately sent it to Harold, his brother, in Samar. Uh, Harold sent a list back of what he got. He got five 
sacks of rice. These are uh, 50 kilos each. If you put that in poundage, that's about 110 pounds of rice, five times. Uh, cases of like ramen noodles, canned goods, antibiotics, and paracetamol, which is uh, like an antibiotic, uh, it's like a, uh, really for diarrhea and stuff like that that's just going crazy in the conditions that they have. Those, these foods, will, are, we're going, they're going to feed there in their village 100 families for three weeks. 100 families for three. I don't know about a grocery list that could do that here in the United States, but they are doing that with what they bought there with the 500 bucks that we sent over there. He's taking pictures right now, needs some more food packs. We're not planning on going to the last week in uh, November to let some of the transportation issues settle down and uh, and what have you. It'd be the equivalent of going from here to Kentucky by 12 John boats and uh, 20 motorcycles, okay? And, uh, and there's a lot of water between him and Samar. They have a lot of ferries in the Philippines, and that's the only way to, to get there. And so he, it's a pretty good ways off. And uh, he said, probably my wife will go with me and two workers from the seminary uh, need some more food packs is what he's saying. So... Um, Anyway, it said the government help is only sticking to the big towns of like 200,000 or more. It's where mainly the government help is headed. Uh, their village is not near that big. It's, you know, 10,000 people or so. But that's 100 families that are getting fed because of promised land. I want to let you know that. Folks, helping out and doing, you know what that is? It's about being a servant. And if you notice there in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he says the very first and foremost. And folks, if you, I want to hold my finger here. And I want you to do this, and I've done this to you before. But hold, because I'm coming back to uh, Romans chapter 1. Go over here to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. And, this, <clears throat> and then also Titus, a little bit further on. Titus, that's right after First and Second Timothy. Head there. Just grab those there between your fingers real quick. And so if you look at these, what does Paul say about himself? In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops, and that means the word bishop just means overseer, often used for pastors. And deacons, which are the only two ordained offices in a local New Testament church. Titus chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus. Notice the list, the order. Every time he says, I'm a servant. And he may say, I'm called to preach. I'm also an apostle. But what does he say? You know what? When Paul got saved, he said, I am his servant. Matter of fact, uh, if you want to, it's, you know, just thinking about this, before he's an apostle, before he's a preacher, he's a servant. The most comprehensive picture uh, of if you want to be a leader, if you want to be on the forefront here in Promised Land, say, I commit to serve. I commit to help. 
I commit to helping everybody else be a success, to lift other people up ahead of yourself. Now, before we get back to Romans chapter 1, head to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15, we'll talk about this idea of what Paul was talking about, a servant of Jesus Christ. There we go. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Um, At the end of every seven years... Deuteronomy 15.1, Thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth ought unto his neighbor shall release it, and he shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release of a foreigner. So you have a, somebody come in, and a foreigner works for you, and he owes you some money, and he's got to go to work for you. Thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine, thy brother's, with thy brother thine hand shall release, save when there shall also be no poor among you. For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Only if thou carefully listen, hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt, and thou shalt lend unto many nations... But thou shalt not borrow, and thou shalt not reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. If there be among you a poor man, one of which thy brethren within thy gates in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. This means to help out poor people. But thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, it is at hand. Thine eye be evil against the poor brother, and thou givest him naught, for he crieth unto the Lord against thee, and it shall be sin. In other words, I'm going to wait (laughs) on helping him, because the year of the release is coming up. Thou shalt surely give him thine, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him because of this. For this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, in that thou puttest thine hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother to the poor, to thy poor and to thy needy in the land. And if thy brother is an Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman be sold unto thee, And serve thee six years, then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. So you got somebody back in those days owed you some money. You could they could work it off, forever how long it took, and except it happened, say in the year of release, thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flocks, out of thy floor, and out of thy winepress of that. Wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give him. And thou shalt remember that thou, you, one time you were a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this, this thing today. And it shall be if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee. And thine house, 
because he is, he is well with thee. Then thou shalt take an awl and thrust it through his ear. That means pierce his ear. Put a big old hole in it. Unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever. And also unto thine maidservant thou shalt do likewise. So stop right there. And I know that was a long reading, but this is a really cool teaching that was prevalent in the land of Israel. You had somebody who was your slave, really is a better word that we would understand. I owe you some money. I don't have a thousand dollars. Where are you going to work it off? I'm going to put you to work. And uh, maybe it was for a business loan. Maybe it was just for food to, for my family to survive. And then I paid it off. Or it became time for the year of release, which was the seventh year, which is where we get our the terms that we use in the United States, even for our credit reporting agencies. Every seven years, something rolls off your credit report, unless the calls for bankruptcy or what have you. That's where we got it, right out of the Bible, right out of Scripture. But this is really cool. The word that Paul uses is the word for a bondservant. The, the Greek word is doulos, which means this, a servant by choice, motivated by love. So basically this, I am, before I met Jesus Christ, I'm a slave to sin. I'm a slave and He paid my debt. He said, I release you from the bondage of sin. So folks, I don't know how old you were when you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save you, but what happened basically this is you're connected to sin that's going to drag you to hell and Jesus says, my blood can be applied to you. I will pay your debt if you let me. All you have to do is ask. You then have a choice. After you receive it, then you can, you, your choice is to be a servant by willingness, motivated by love, a doulos, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That's every time. Romans 1, Philippians 1, 1, Titus 1, 1. This is where it comes when it came time. The servant had two options. I'm hitting the road. I remember one time, I don't know, I'd probably gotten a whipping. <laughs> I was about eight years old. I went in my room and I, I wrote the best eight-year-old note that I could write. I said, I, I want to. I want to. Uh, I'm gonna run away. I'm gonna run away. I've got me. Uh, I said three times. I said five days is long enough. Then I'll probably come back because I'll get hungry. And uh, so I said that's the 15 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Three <laughs> times five days. So I packed it up and I started out the door. Mom caught me, and uh, and really and truly, I said I knew where I was going to go. And she said, uh, where are you going? I said, I'm running away. She said, well, adios. See you later, son. I said, you're not going to try to stop me? No. I said, well, my plan wasn't working too good. <laughs> and uh, I said, she's supposed to be upset because I didn't like the, what she was doing to me as a mama or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was. She said, see you later. I said, you know what? I've changed my mind. No, go. 
those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches will be fine. I said, but what about when I eat them all? She said, you're just going to have to get a job. I'm sure they'll hire eight years old down there at Gibson's or Howard. I forget what the local store was down the road. But uh, I said, well, I don't want to go to work there. But you see, it all came down to a choice. And I wanted to stay at home because really and truly, even though I didn't like my, my mom's parenting style or ever what I got in trouble for, I wanted to stay because, number one, I knew I loved her. And I knew I wanted to also stay because she loved me. And folks, that's your, that's your only way a church is going to work. Did you hear me? Churches fall and mess up and struggle and have strife because we're coming and we're serving, we're doing for the wrong reason. We ought to be motivated by love for Jesus Christ. It's all about, you say, it's, you know, love is basically WD-40. Every time there's a squeak and a squeak here and a squeak there, you put some love on it and it takes that squeak away. It, it makes the friction a whole lot less when you apply that kind of WD-40 to the situation. And that's what he said here. Well, quickly, back to our text. And uh, Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 14. <clears throat> I am a debtor. This is what Paul says in Romans 1.14. But he's not a debtor to Jesus. Folks, we could never pay for our salvation, could we? Romans 1.14, he says, No, I'm not a debtor to Jesus. But I'm a debtor to who? The Greeks. And the barbarians, the wise and the unwise. So uneducated, educated. Both uh, uh, people living up that are uh, hillbillies, the rednecks. That's barbarian people. They had them even in Paul's day. And it doesn't matter whether they're outlaws or in-laws. I need to preach the gospel to these people. And I don't care who they are or where they live. I'm going to preach the gospel to them. So, folks, if we want to be a church that's successful, and we want to be a church that's doing the right thing. Uh, just quickly in Romans chapter 9, verse 1. It says this, I say the truth in Christ, and I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why? For I wish, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Folks, that's a call. You know what that's called there? A burning desire. Romans 10.1 says the same thing. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God and for Israel is that they might be saved. Go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. So, if we want to be a successful church, we have to be a servant-minded. We want to be servants to each other. We are to be debtors, which means I feel like it's my duty to tell others, my debt, my burden, to tell others about the gospel, about Jesus. Folks, if you don't have that burden of a debt, that who told you? And are we, is it to end with us? Right now in, uh, 
is very popular, and uh, my dad and I did it on, on his side. We traced our family tree, and it was really neat. Matter of fact, Miss Denise and I were up here when the church was shopping for a new copy machine, and a lady, Miss Pam Clark, comes over from El Dorado, and, uh, and she's sitting there, and, and I, you know, we're just we're talking about copy machines. We finally, she says, well, uh, I originally I grew up in Batesville, Arkansas. I said, I've got kinfolks in Batesville, Arkansas. She said, uh, I said, yeah, I had a... Uh, Great-grandfather, and my, well, to me it was great-great-grandfather, named William Fike. She said, well, my great-grandfather's William Fike. Turned out we were fifth cousins or something like that. So, I mean, even here in Ashley County. And so we had traced it back, found out that my great-great-grandfather was the sheriff in Independence County in Batesville, Arkansas. And she, when she came back to bring the copy machine, brought pictures of all my kinfolks in his grave, buried right there in the county graveyard right there across from the county courtyard. And uh, his last name was Fike. And matter of fact, her maiden name was Fike because that her daddy, daddy was, uh, that was her great-grandfather. It was pretty neat. But it's neat to trace your family lineage, but having a burden for the lost is this. What if your family tree spiritually ends with you? That's it. Right now, out of our bunch, Caleb is the last Reese. He's the last Reese. I know, it, you know, we pick at Chuck and Kevin about all these girls they're having. <laughs> you know, their their last name is going to end there. I don't you know. They have brothers, of course, and cousins who will carry it on. But uh, what spiritually, and that's interesting, but spiritually, what if your spiritual family's tree ends with you? You need to tell others about Jesus Christ. Because that leads to verse 16. So, you know, verse 15 is his burden. I'm ready. I'm, as much as light is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I want to tell others about Jesus. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. And to salvation, to salvation, for salvation. To, every, to everyone that believeth. It doesn't, notice it doesn't say to everyone who believeth and is baptized. You know, a lot of religions, denominations want to head to Acts 2.38. But I think if it was so important, of course that's a whole other sermon about Acts 2.38, but if baptism was so necessary for salvation, Peter would have said it again in Acts chapter 3, and Paul would have said it there. But it doesn't say to everyone that believeth and is baptized, does it? It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. And that's repeated over and over and over. But what that tells me is, number one, is, uh, the way Logan got saved the other day is simple. It's simple. And everybody in here, when you ask Jesus Christ to save you, it's simple. Don't let it end with you. And if you want our church to be a successful church and and, and how God is blessing us, and because like I preached this morning, when people see Jesus in the house, how are you going to react? Are you going to worship? Do you want our church? And I know we're tired. We're tired tonight. I know it's 625. We're going to let you go in just a second. Okay? But we've got to say, why are you here? Why do you come? What do you want to get out of this? 
What do you want to do? I'll tell you what you want to get out of it. You want to get what he wants to give. And that's the servant's heart. He wants to give you a servant's heart. What did Paul say over and over and over that I showed you? I'm first and foremost a servant. I showed you that and showed you that and showed you. And that needs to be my desire. And you want to have a pastor that loves his people. I want to be your servant. And you want to be a servant to each other. As we prepare for him the invitation. Father, I thank you for this time we've had this evening. And I thank you for everyone that, even though they may be tired, they, they decided to come back for a little bit more food, spiritual food, uh, some encouragement. some, And even tonight, of course, our, our, our class did some work. And I appreciate them for doing that work. It's just going to help a lot of people on down the line. And, Father, help us to be a servant-minded church, serving others and lifting each other up. Father, thank you so very much for our, our blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.